Welcome to Innovation Friday. This is where your startup journey begins. We talk about entrepreneurship and things that are interesting for early stage founders, like rock bottom and most rewarding moments. Hello and welcome to another episode from Innovation Friday podcast. Today I am happy to have Simon Ilzhofer from Frankfurt and Bernard Schlegel from Munich, Germany. They are both founders of Monmedi. Hello, guys. Hey, good Hi. morning. Nice to have you here. So, guys, let's assume that we meet at a machine learning conference. How would you introduce yourself? Bernhard? I would say that I'm here because I wrote a paper on machine learning, and I'm equally happy and surprised it got accepted. <laughs> and to get you interested, I would probably tell you about the project I've built, such as brewery controls, and that I like to build stuff with wood and also welding stuff. Nice. Simon, how would you introduce yourself? I would probably tell you that I don't know how to write one line of code and that I also do not know a lot about machine learning, but I'm constantly working on new ideas and trying to create business models around ideas, but are in desperate need of a technical co-founder to help me make these ideas a reality and, and bring them to life. Well, that's, that's great. So you guys, we have someone who is willing and has a lot of fun on building business model and selling things. And you are the one that likes to build those things to get sold. And you founded a company. What's the name of the company and what does the company do? And also tell us maybe how you met and what's the team history. So the company is called Monmedi. It's essentially like a healthcare a HR tech firm. And we build a platform connecting medical institutions with temp staffing agencies and try to create a way to make the staffing process easier and more transparent for both sides. So and that, uh, excuse sorry. me, does that mean that for the hospitals, for example, it will be easier to find and hire personnel? Exactly, that's the idea. So at, in the current status quo, healthcare temp staffing is a very manual process, which is done over the phone, mm -hmm. essentially. Hence, it's super time-consuming. And hospitals or other medical institutions are literally happy if they just, you know, get somebody that they can hire for any given time and date. And by building a platform model around it, we aim at bringing more convenience to this whole process, making it quicker, giving um, medical institutions a much broader overview of available um, candidates and also bringing more standardized contracts or processes to the market because at the moment this is also a big issue that there's no real standard legal framework that's been used consistently by all providers in the market. Now that we know what Monmedi does, how did you come up with, to, with this idea? So the, the idea was initially mine. And I, I kind of came to it while um, I was working my old job in, in finance. And I was essentially focused on the healthcare sector. And I constantly saw that large healthcare firms, healthcare providers had massive personal gaps and, and were trying to fill these with temp staff increasingly. So maybe not all of our listeners are familiar with what temp staff is. Can you maybe explain to us what... Uh, 
those persons do? Sure. So traditionally, temp staff are not freelancers, but are like flexible workers. So they are um, full-time employees of specialized temp staffing firms who will then, or these firms will then essentially rent out or lease out these candidates uh, for any given time period based on a specific hourly wage to third parties. The idea behind it is that companies, I mean, this is available for all all sectors, basically, it's not just a, a healthcare topic, that the idea is that firms can react to shifting personal needs very flexible by getting a temp staff or using temp staffing. On the other hand, for people working in that field or working as a temporary worker, the benefits are that you might get a lot of expertise by working in various uh, firms across your specialization, seeing different things at different, different firms. And also, especially in the healthcare sector, that you have more say over the shifts that you want to take on. Do you want to work in night shifts? Do you want to work on the weekends? Mm -hmm. That you also earn more money, considerably more money, and that you get appreciated more for, for the work you do. So that's essentially the idea. It's, it's like a triangle, right? Um, mm -hmm. I see. And when you temporary stuffing, what should we imagine under it? Is it from a nurse to a highly qualified heart surgeon? Or is it just a specific, just uh, surgeons or just nurses, uh, which so it, kind of so it de- are on your platform? Yeah. So it definitely covers the whole range. I'm guessing like the volume uh, parts of the industry are certainly nurses and, and caretakers, but they're, they're also highly... Uh, specialized doctors or surgeons working in the field and they're both relevant parts of the industry. Coming back to the idea history, how you come up with this idea? You were saying that you were working in the finance sector and then I uh, interrupted you. Exactly. I, I, I was constantly analyzing large healthcare firms, healthcare providers and saw that TAM staffing was an integral part of how they would fill their personnel gaps. So it became clear to me that this is actually a real growth market. And as I explained earlier, I learned that, that it's like an entirely manual process. You know, that's, that's like when it clicked, when I thought, okay, it's like, look at all these other platform models in the HR sector, like Upwork or Fiverr, all these freelancer um, marketplaces. Why not build something like this for temp staff and yeah that's that's how i came up with it and started you know drafting it on on, on paper sometime around like mid 2018 mm-hmm. and then began looking for a technical co-founder and met bernhard through a common friend at a birthday party and yeah we stayed in touch and started discussing about this but it still like took um, a couple of months until we finally started working on the project because you know how these things are that it's just like sometimes it's time to evolve and then that you build up the confidence to feel that you really want to do this now okay thank you so bernard you simon just said that you met at a party and now you are a founding team what i was asking myself what was it during all this time you probably have some values that you are aligned with and some values that are also guiding 
and thriving the company. Would you like to tell us which those values are? Ooh, that's a tough question. I think we both uh, share the idea of being open with each other. And also that's something I learned in, in my past when I tried to start other things that a clear distinction of tasks helps. So it's pretty clear in our case that Simon is the business guy and our new teammate and I am the technical guy. And that just helps to avoid conflict if we have a clear distinction of what people are supposed to do. And other than that, I don't know, Simon, do you mm -hmm. want to add in value? We didn't have time or money to spend on workshops. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway, I, I think this is something very important, which keeps on popping up all the time, being open and being honest to each other and the clear separation of roles, especially at the beginning, where you always have more tasks to do than you can actually handle. So I think this is, uh, this is very good, without, even without workshops. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think in, in our case, it kind of evolved naturally, because there are times where I feel like Simon has more work pressure when there is like people to contact or contract stuff to figure out. And there are times when there is more technical pressure because the platform has to be built and then it's more um, Barbara's and my part. So it's kind of like a, how's it called on in the kindergarten where children sit on both ends, uh, Vippe. Yeah, uh, seesaw. Seesaw. Seesaw, yeah. It's okay. like a seesaw. Yeah. And now that you're the technical guy, what are and you have been as far as i know you have been coding and building software for quite a long time i think it's over 10 years uh, am, am i right yes you are and what are your favorite technologies uh, right now what are you using if you would like to elaborate on that and why do you choose those technologies and platforms for developing so as of now we're using aws as the platform to host all of our stuff. The downside is that it's a bit more expensive than getting a dedicated virtual server somewhere. But on the other hand, it's very easy to scale up. And as we expect masses of customers, I think that's important. And on the software side, we're using Django as the backend, which is very nice. I would probably go for Firebase with my next project just to give it a try. Mm -hmm. And I'm using Vue.js for the front end, which is one of the probably coolest frameworks I ever discovered. And I'm saying that coming from Angular. Okay. There was a lot of, of technical terms right here. And maybe not all of our listeners are coders and having a computer science background. Maybe can you tell us the features that made you choose this platform? For example, as you said, AWS, you had in mind the future. It's a little bit expensive now, but once you scale, it's better to, to choose it. Regarding the added platform, is it easier to code as it was like 10 years ago? How, what the factor did the coding speed increase? Something like that. So what made you choose those other platforms? For example, Vue.js, that's as a front-end JavaScript framework, it's essentially helps you to keep your UI, so what the user sees in the website, mm -hmm. um, bound to the data that is underlying. So and if you change your data, your UI updates automatically. And that is kind of cool because in the old times, you always had to 
manually call update methods. Mm -hmm. And also Vue.js, unlike Angular, it lets you have all the freedoms you want, but makes um, yeah, naturally feeling restrictions, I would say. And also there are a bunch of libraries you can plug into. For example, if you want to code a date dropdown, let's say, Mm -hmm. You just install a dependency date chooser or whatever it's called, mm -hmm. and you don't have to code your own date drop down from the scratch. So mm -hmm. that helps so a lot. You're not reinventing the wheel. You no, no, no. You just just do did. You're yeah. just assembling existing mm -hmm. components, and if nothing exists or nothing exists that perfectly fits your needs, you can still code your own. That speeds up the development process a lot. For the beginning we of our journey, startup journeys, we all kind of do mistakes. And I would like to ask you, what was your biggest fuck up or the moment you were struggling most? Um, happy to answer that or give it a try. So I felt that we kind of stayed behind closed doors for way too long, like stayed inside our ivory tower too long and especially I was afraid to go out and talk to people and sort of like do these validation interviews and reach out to potential customers or users and see what really drives them and if our idea makes any sense. So I think we lost a lot of time there and also I think that led to like over conceptualizing the idea a little bit rather than you know being really lean and and rapid that that's definitely something i would uh, do differently the next time so i'd like to add something there it's i think one of the probably most common mistakes i I'm, i made the mistake myself a couple of times now so completely over engineering the mvp so our MVP was like essentially the version one of the platform with everything working from um, registration to automated email. It's essentially a working platform and that's not supposed to be your MVP. Your MVP shouldn't be anything more than a website with one button that checks people's interest in your platform. Yeah. So I think that's one mm -hmm. of the things I would do different and that's a major fuck up because that costs time if you figure out that your idea isn't working in the exact way you implemented mm -hmm. your platform, you, you lose plenty of time just by re-implementing or changing it. Thank you. So this is very good advice for our listeners and fellow entrepreneurs. Do customer development, do customer research, launch your product as soon as you have a website with one button and start getting validation in order to be able to adapt and build what clients want. Do I understand it correctly? I try, I try to summarize what you both. Yeah, yeah, perfect, sure. perfect. You got it. Yeah, okay. For sure, Thank yeah. You. Because like staying indoors and, and figuring these things out or like what do your customer want inside your head? Well, it's just limited to your head. And as soon as we got to talk to these people, we learned so much and, and came up with so many different ideas on many different areas of, let's say, marketing functions, whatnot, which would have never been able to think of by ourselves. So I believe that was super helpful. Thank you. What was the best moment that you had as an entrepreneur? I remember that via all channels at hand, we were trying to get in touch with our first customers and, and trying to, to pitch real big medical institutions. And I remember reaching out via LinkedIn to one of an employee of a very large um, healthcare provider in Germany 
who immediately responded and set up a, a meeting with us. And on the one hand, like getting the meeting, on the other hand, uh, uh, going there together with Bernhard, pitching them and also getting positive feedback. For me, that was like a major highlight earlier this year uh, after we launched, because that was not only a validation based on your idea, but also like valued the work that we had put in over the months before. So mm-hmm. made it all worth it, I guess. Berna, what was it for you? It was the same moment? Actually, the exact same moment, yeah. Okay, so getting for the first customer after long hard work was the best moment you had as entrepreneurs. Great. Yeah, I, I like hope hard. many more will come. Yeah, hopefully. Both, both yeah. clients and uh, great moments. Yes. Yeah. Which advice or what was the most important lesson that you've learned up to this point? I think it turned out that building a perfect technical product is easier than getting customers in a non-digital market. I would definitely agree. Like that was a huge learning, how much education you have to provide to users who are coming from a entirely non-digital process um, and convince them that you can actually resolve some of their pain and why joining this platform is a is a good idea. Also, on the other hand, I think what I learned is that, as I said before, get to talk to people very early and also be confident in what you do. Put a price on it. Don't tell people, okay, like that, that's what we built. Use it. It's for free. It, it just shows that you really value your own work product uh, if you communicate to the outside. This is what we have. And that's what it costs. It's not only the value that you created, but it's also the value that they get from it. Exactly. Like every, if, if every, you, everything has a cost, of course. Yeah. Exactly. We did this at one point, um, offering it for free. We would always get the question, okay, and what's like what's the hook? What's the hook? Yeah. yeah. Well, like, where, yeah. what are you really trying to do? Yeah, and okay. as soon as you tell them, you pay me, then you can use it. There, there is no hook in their minds, and that's, and it's uh, funny because because they feel really feel there's something distrustful or suspicious yeah. if you don't charge money, and people feel better if they are charged money. It feels like you know what you're paying for, and you you know what happens. It's, I think it's about transparency. Yeah, and exactly. always imagine yourself someone offering his products for free. That's always a little bit, that kind of feels strange to you. Like, why is he doing that? What's his mm-hmm. hidden agenda? So if you just be honest and uh, charge for it, uh, people probably feel even better about it. Very good piece of advice. Very valuable. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, the time is pressing. We only have a couple of minutes left. But I still would like to ask you which book ha- or books had the most impact on you two guys. Simon. So everyone is talking about like Eric Ries, The Lean Startup. I obviously read that good book, but mm-hmm. I found more helpful a kind of follow-up book called Running Lean from Ash Maria. Sorry if I butchered that mm-hmm. name right there. He basically like gives you a manual on how to put these ideas of Eric Ries uh, into reality and, and really use them. Like, how do I do a validation interview? How do I rapidly prototype? And that was very helpful for me as a first-time founder. Okay. Bernard, which book had the most impact on you? 
It's it's probably hard to pinpoint, but it's not startup related. I read a book once uh, called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Mm-hmm. And after that, I also read his other books. It's called Smarter, Faster, Better. It's probably also mm-hmm. name butchering. But that's kind of very interesting to read because you have names for probably stuff that you've been doing all the time, but you use actively start to think about how you act. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you for sharing all your expertise, all these valuable advices and sharing your experiences. It was really fun to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the Innovation Friday podcast, the place where your startup journey begins. Please let me know how to improve the show. See you next time.